Hello, beautiful humans. I'm Dr. Anna Karen, and we are living in paradox, a place where awakening souls seek challenging answers. You know, as well as I do, that the common narrative needs an upgrade, and that to heal ourselves and our environment, we need a new way of living. Here we will move beyond the either-or thinking that keeps us so divided and step into a worldview of both and, thus embodying a life of connection that has room for everything. I offer you these imaginings and insights, these heartfelt conversations and challenging ideas as encouragements to take your next step and then another, as together, we create a happier and healthier world. Take a deep breath, relax, and let's dive into paradox. Living in paradox is about how we make meaning out of comparison and how we can do that with more compassion and more consciousness to create more harmony in our world. Hi-ho and welcome. I'm your host, Dr. Anna Corrin, and this is episode one. I do plan to have guests. You won't just be hearing me speaking solo. (laughs) But I wanted to let you know in this first episode, I want to let you know what the foundation of this exploration is. You know, what where am I really coming from? And maybe people aren't as familiar with paradox as I think they might be. So here we go. You know, I jumped into this out of my desire for connection, something we may have all taken for granted until we found ourselves in lockdown. But why a podcast? Yeah, I asked myself that too. Why a podcast? (laughs) Well, I work with sound therapy as a vehicle for healing. So it seemed pretty natural to extend that into the sound of ideas, musings, conversations, and I hereby proudly declare my divergent personality. So if you're someone who needs a logical linear progression, you know, something like straight to the point, here we go, this might not be the podcast for you. If you can stay afloat in a stream of consciousness, you are definitely in the right place. And no one is more surprised (laughs) to find me on this side of the microphone. And it is my intent for you to find surprise and delight here as well. My God, talk about a leap before I looked. But you know, that's actually the story of all the really great things in my life. I mean, it's, it's definitely potentially caused some challenges, let's call it that, you know. But I do tend to leap and then look and see where I found myself. And I am super grateful to have this as a jumping off point and a landing point, because it's it's no small task to do this. Believe me, I <laughs> had I known what I was getting into, I probably would have passed. But here I am, and it's it's wonderful. And I thank you so much for joining me. I have always considered myself a citizen scientist. And since I can remember, I've been asking why, poking my nose into, why this? Why that? Why does it work like that? What's happening? Why, 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 why? 
And at some point I realized that why was not the most useful question. Since, you know, it can actually be pretty hard to pin down. I'm hungry. Why? Well, it's been a while since I've eaten. Why? Well, I just saw that person eating an ice cream cone. (laughs) Why? Well, it's six o'clock, right? That's when we have dinner. So you can see why, why can be a lot of things. And it also seems to be the thing that everybody argues about. So I have decided to focus more on who, what, how, and when, which all seem to have way more traction and are somewhat more pin downable. And the investigator in me continues to apply those to the numerous questions that arise in my mind every day. Questions on health and well-being, cosmology, relationships, quantum physics, and so much more. Honestly, I often feel like I'm in information overload. So part of this process is hopefully to help narrow some of that down, to curate some of that wildly propagating information into something useful. And honestly, as humans, the main way we explore is through language. And communication through language and sound fascinates me. How it can unite and how it can divide. You know, they say communication is made up of 10% the meaning of the words. Now, we could do a whole episode on that, and maybe we will. You know, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? I don't know. It means this to me. And 20% is attributed to facial expression and body language. Now, obviously, we're not going to be utilizing that very much because this is basically audio, but also an interesting area to explore. And then a massive 70% of communication is attributed to the tone and timbre of the sound of the voice. Now, I, th- I think we all kind of intuitively know that. So it's a very different experience when someone says, hey, you look great. Or they say, hey, you look great. Obviously, like different, different communication there. Here's a divergence. Warning, warning. So it's no wonder to me that music is such a universal language. In fact, I heard a song today sung in French. I did not understand the words. I do not speak French. And I did not see the singer or the musicians. I was listening on the radio. And yet I was deeply moved by the sound. Instantly I felt relaxed. I noticed my breathing was deeper. I felt more connected. All from the sound that I was taking in. You might now think of your favorite song or a favorite song. And then maybe close your eyes. No, don't close your eyes if you're driving. Or just imagine you're dancing. Or letting, just letting yourself sway and enter into the sound. Isn't that amazing? How quickly we can be transported like that. Anyway, more about that another time. Let me tell you what started my life of paradox, since that's kind of why we're here, right? I was born in Stockholm, Sweden, 
And I lived there until I was five and obviously learned to speak Swedish. Then my parents gathered me up and we emigrated to the United States. And our first stop was Minneapolis, Minnesota, where my mother had an aunt who very graciously allowed us to stay, allowed us to land and figure out what's what and get our arrive. And in those first few days, I noticed that there were kids in the neighborhood. It was a beautiful neighborhood. But now I would call them craftsman homes up and down the street. Beautiful, beautiful, large trees in every yard. It was May. It was a beautiful, sunny day. In fact, I think one of the main reasons that my folks wanted to get out of Sweden was it's very cold and very dark there for a lot of part of the year. So the United States looks pretty good. So here we were, beautiful May day. Kids running around playing. I was a kid. I'm going to see they want to play. And you might imagine how my Swedish sounded to them and how surprised I was by that they did not speak Swedish. There was, in fact, a massive failure to communicate. And they ran me off with shouts and throwing gravel. Now, perhaps they were afraid that I was somehow defective and that might rub off on them or even dangerous. Or maybe they were just angry and frustrated. But either way, I clearly understood their message, if not their words. Go away. So I did. Luckily, I was five years old. And according to neuroscience, perfectly poised to assimilate another language. So I did, in a matter of weeks. Much to my father's chagrin. Took him much longer, and he always had this very adorable accent that I believe embarrassed him to no end. But I learned it pretty quickly, which was great for me. My mom had some English because she had visited before, so she was our interpreter early on. But back to learning to speak a new language. Much of that learning came via listening and singing along to the radio as my parents drove me around the country for the next several months in a white Chevy Impala with those awesome fins off the back. And I became intrigued by the various radio stations. In fact, there wasn't really a lot to do. I had the whole back seat and I could lay out on that big red vinyl, but there were lots of different kinds of music on that radio, talk shows, sports, And, you know, I marveled, you know, that, you know, people should really be more like radios. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, you find yourself in a new country and you just turn the dial and all of a sudden you can understand (laughs) and express in that language. Or you turn the frequency and all of a sudden your perception shifts and you understand. And so while the significance of having those two languages at this early age, you know, it wasn't really obvious at the time. Obviously, I was a kid and I was just, you know, doing the best I could to get along with people and do what kids do. And and my mom, my mom wouldn't often answer me unless I spoke Swedish at home, which I'm grateful for now because I can easily have a conversation in Swedish, which is nice. Um, Go back. All my relatives are still there and besides my immediate family. So I walk down the street in Stockholm and, you know, most people wouldn't peg me for a tourist. So 
I do, I am grateful for that. And even more than that, I am grateful because this, I really credit my interest in paradox to this specific fact that I always had two very different words for any particular thing. And the thing itself was always just that. It was itself. It existed whether I gave it any meaning with words or not. And this led to the idea that words were there to give voice to the meaning of a thing, but that the essential thingness was absolute. And the description or the meaning of something was therefore relative, was a function of the culture, my perception, common knowledge. And that kind of makes me think, again, divergent, kind of makes me think of how we describe an electron. So there were scientists that did have done tons and tons of tests on all kinds of subatomic particles. And, and what they found is that electron will behave and be described as a particle, which is basically a manifestation of matter, or it can behave and be described as a wave, which is a manifestation of energy. Same electron. And it, in fact, depends on who is looking that creates this distinction. So they, this experiment they set up, I, am not, I can't walk you through the technicalities of it, but the gist of it is, is they had various scientists looking into electron microscopes. Now, again, I can't tell you how an electron microscope works, but I do understand that it is not actually possible to look at subatomic particles. That I do know. But somehow the electron microscope creates an image of the subatomic particles that, that can then be viewed by the human eye. So these scientists were looking into these electron microscopes, looking at subatomic particles. And what they discovered was, is that what the scientists saw was extremely consistent each time that scientist looked into the electron microscope. But when scientist B looked into the microscope, that was also very consistent, but not necessarily consistent with what scientist A was seeing. So this idea of observation creating the observed was discovered. And so it seems that we actually use this power of observation to make the comparisons that create the meaning that we make in our lives. Particle, wave, good, bad, up, down, right, wrong, me, you. Another question that has been consistent for me is that what is it that creates connection in this world that is filled with so much apparent separation. You know, perhaps another throwback to that ill-fated initial play date. And it seems like as a culture, we've reached the ultimate of how separate we can be. We can actually choose to work remotely via the internet, to live alone. We have the means to have food and all else we need and want delivered. Thank you, Amazon. We can play video games, entertain ourselves, watching movies and TV, and never actually interact directly with another soul, if we so choose. And now with the lockdowns, this may be happening 
even if we don't choose it. You may have found yourself in that situation without looking for it and may in fact be struggling mightily with the repercussions of that. However, for some, it seems that this forced compliance with physical separation is being utilized to uncover a longing for deeper connection. I'm certainly finding that in my life. How about you? And again, this fits right into my love of paradox. Looking for the full essential expression by combining something with its apparent opposite. Is it possible that separation will actually lead us to more connection? So the bottom line for me is this. This podcast is about finding and creating deeper connection between the seemingly opposite and divisive meanings we have created and are creating. Ultimately, to connect with my tribe. I believe we all have energetic family connections beyond biology, beyond even time and space. And that I am eager to meet those like-hearted souls ready to look beneath the descriptions of life, to look into its very essence and to behold a mystery, to hold space for its full expression. Imagine what might be possible from there. So I will leave you with a paradox prompt, should you choose to ponder. Ordinary greatness. Who do you know that embodies this? Might even be you. Ordinary greatness. How does it express in your life? Ordinary greatness. What can you do to invite and engage this experience of ordinary greatness? Remember, the only thing that has no opposite is love because it encompasses everything. It can appear to be absent, but in actuality, it is all there is. It's all that's happening. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Living in Paradox podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas, or you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at dranakarin.com. That's D-R-A-N-N-A-K-A-R-I-N.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll meet you in Paradox.